You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. interesting one of the owners of the boston red sox red sox came out and said flat out that boston is racist as fuck quote unquote i will uh i'll scroll through the boston globe website we can do it together and uh try to find a reaction from the biggest media outlet in new england surely somebody there will defend the city surely someone will call out this total a-hole who is part owner of the Boston Red Sox, a team in free fall, which is great to see with from any self-respecting Boston fan. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm not sure how anyone could root for a team who insults the fan base like that. Uh, congratulations to Leah Thomas. He has been nominated as uh, uh, to win the prestigious woman of the year award in the NCAA. <laughs> oh, it just gets crazier. Uh, a, a prisoner in New Jersey. We've talked about this guy before. A, a woman's prisoner uh, impregnated two other women in prison. He's now being transferred, and he's very upset, very upset that they're treating him this way. She feels like he should have the right to just continue to knock up every woman in the prison. Uh, great British Open Sunday. Big win for Cam Smith and me. I, I, I kicked ass in my pool. I'm going to be like Ironhead. I'm going to brag about my big winnings. Uh, President Biden fist bumped an evil dictator in uh, Saudi Arabia. But don't you dare ask him about it. He doesn't like those questions. Oh, no, 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 no questions about the fist bump. Ask him about, oh, I don't know, climate change. And maybe you'll get an answer. We have more video, believe it or not, from uh, Uvalde. We told you this was coming and it just gets more disturbing by the minute and uh ironhead's going to give you his uh review of the live kirk minahan show he was there he saw it all unfortunately kirk didn't call him up to do uh, a few minutes of stand-up that's what i was trying to get i was trying to implore implore minahan to bring you up on stage to do some of your best material since you you know gave us a tease of it uh friday i'd love to hear a little bit more but i guess we'll have to wait on that another day we will get to that and a lot more on today's Callahan Show, brought to you by MyPillow. We love MyPillow. Just go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. For example, the standard MyPillow, which is normally $69.98, is only $19.98 with code word Jerry. MyPillow is made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you'll ever sleep on. Get it now and you can support this show. Because like us, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping out us, but you're joining in the fight against the cancel culture crowd. MyPillow isn't in big box stores for obvious reasons, so you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. You get the Giza sheets, buy one, get one free, half off slippers, six piece towel sets, regular $109.99, just $39.99 with code word Jerry. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Jerry. All right, I'm going to keep looking, um, and you can too, Ironhead. And any, you know, anyone listening, watching along with us on Locals, keep looking, see what the Globe, see when the Globe, the Boston Globe, reacts to the fact that LeBron James, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the two most prominent athletes in, in America, one of the most prominent athletes in the world, casually calls Boston racist as fuck on his um, on his show. What's his show called? Uh, Barbershop or something? I, I yeah. mean, just casually uh, just 
paints the entire city unfairly, presents, by the way, no evidence, no examples, doesn't even make up examples the way, you know, Tory Hunter or uh, Adam Jones did, didn't even make something up. And this just amazes me. I, I, I know we've talked about this many times. God knows we've talked about Adam Jones and Tory Hunter and so many other examples. But you let a guy like this insult the city, say the worst possible thing you could say about a city, and very few people in the city have the guts to defend the city. They know he's just making this up. In fact, we have sound of LeBron James a, a couple of years ago talking about Boston saying it's not racist, but he just throws that out there casually in his little barbershop, TV, whatever it is, podcast, video. And, uh, and people in Boston just take it. It, it just blows me away. That, I mean, it pisses me off. I know the guy's a dick. I know he, he has no examples. I know he has no history. He has nothing to prove his point. But people are too afraid to call him out. It's, it's, it's kind of like Adam Jones and Tory Hunter all over again. If you defend the city against this baseless charge, somehow you're the bad guy. You're the racist. And I know there were a number of people on Twitter who went after LeBron James. But as far as I can tell, nobody at the Boston Globe, maybe at the Boston Herald, although it doesn't have nearly impact. And uh, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there will be uh, a memo. Might not be, you know, official memo. It'll be said that the sports radio stations, or at least the, the one owned by the Boston Red Sox will say very little about this. If they talk about it at all, they'll just, you know, mention it in passing and then get back to the, you know, the, the rotation and how the bullpen sets up for the stretch run. Something like this. This is what, if I were on sports radio, if I were there with, with Minahan, we'd talk about it for a week, we'd take calls, we would, we would call out this fraud. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this. What is the worst thing you can say about a city? The worst thing you could say about a person, there's all kinds of, all kinds of things. You know, you could say, call him a child molester. You can call him, you could say he's a, a big fan of child porn. You could say he beats his wife, beats his kids. Those would be the worst things you could say about a human being. But what's the worst thing you could say about a city? You can't say a city, you know, molests children. Although you could say that about Boston Red Sox employees, because there's been a number of them who have molested children, but uh, a, a city like Boston or any city, the, the worst thing you could say is it's racist. And the worst way you could do it is casually just throw it out there. If you don't defend Boston in this, in this moment, then you are completely worthless as a pundit, as a columnist, as a talk show host. If you're too afraid to step up in this instant, because LeBron James is wrong here. I mean, he's just, he's got, and you know, he's wrong because he's got, first of all, he flip-flops. Secondly, he doesn't give you a single example. He, I mean, he doesn't even say the usual stuff of, uh, you know, the guy took a dump in uh, Bill Russell's bed or, or uh, you know, the, the Jackie Rob, uh, they, they, they didn't give Jackie Robinson a bar of soap when he tried out. They didn't sign Willie Mays. They had a, a clubhouse attendant, Don Patrick, who molested young black boys. And the owner knew about it. There's lots of examples of racism in Boston. I mean, hell, the Boston Red Sox let their best black player ever, Mookie Betts, walk away. They have two black players now who are low going, uh, uh, who may be heading to free agency, and they'll probably let them walk away. So you could come up with examples of why Boston is racist. The Red Sox had a GM, Pinky Higgins, who was flat out openly racist. So if he did a little research, and we know he doesn't believe in that. Every time you see LeBron James with a book, it's on chapter one. You know, those are just props. The glasses, the book, those are props because he wants people to think he's smart. He's not. He's stupid. But it's one thing to be dumb. It's another thing to be completely reckless in talking about a city, a fan base, where you are part owner of the team. This And I tagged when I tweeted, I tagged Dan Shaughnessy because he's the only one, the only one who, had, who would have the balls to do this. Call out one of the partners of his boss. I mean, the Boston Red Sox, as we know, I mean, the, the, the owner, John Henry, Linda Pizzuti, they own the Red Sox, they own Nesson, they own the Globe, they own the EI, they own everything, they control everything. That's why this will not be discussed. And the only one who has the guts to do this, to talk about this, to write about this is Dan Shaughnessy. I think he still might. I'm telling you, he's, 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 he knows 
he knows it's something he should address. He, I know people on Twitter are calling him out. I looked, uh, I mean, obviously I don't subscribe to the globe. Nobody does, but I'm looking at their free website and looking at the Red Sox section. Uh, Red Sox surprise in first round, choose high school shortstop Mikey Romero. Cole Carpenter send Yanks over Red Sox 13 to sale hurt. Jeter Downs hits first career home run. On and on it goes with Red Sox stories, just mundane, you know, Red Sox stories. Then you got lots of other sports stories. And I'm five things to know heading into the all-star festivities. Why an MLB insider isn't confident in the Red Sox extending Rafael Devers. I'm not either because Devers is, is a man of color and Red Sox don't tend to spend money for them. But uh, we can get to that another day. But all kinds of Red Sox stories. Nothing about one of the owners calling the entire city racist as fuck. I have that quote right, don't I, Ironhead? Because I've seen all these, you know, bleeps and little asterisks. No one, no an asterisk. No one wants to write exactly what LeBron said. But do can we listen to what a, a Boston Red Sox owner had to say about Boston Red Sox fans? Can we listen to that? Right from the horse's mouth. Oh, we sure can. Excellent. Let's hear it. And yes, you did have that right. In basketball, there are fans that you go play away that they can literally take the game from you. You can feel like them. The fans is not going to let us win this one tonight. Yes, I mean, I mean, what places? I mean, Boston. Boston. Yeah. Well, why, why do you Why do you hate Boston? Because they're racist as fuck. That's yeah, why. Nasty. They will say nasty. they will say anything. And it's fine. I mean, fuck, it's my life. It. I mean, yeah. I've been dealing with it my whole life. I don't mind it. Like, I hear it. Like, if I hear somebody, like, close by, I check them real quick. I move on to the game, whatever the fuck. They're going to say whatever the fuck they want to say. They might throw something on you. I mean, I got a beer thrown on me leaving the game. You know, like. Boston is. Yeah, it's Boston. It's is, the only place in the NBA in America you go yeah. and they have, like, shirts that say, like, fuck LeBron. Yeah, like, it was like, whole it was like a section. It was like a like, fuck LBJ t-shirt. <laughs> I believe they probably sold it at the fucking team they, shop. No, they sold it outside the arena. No, they, <laughs> they sold it at the team shop. I'm going to just had something to do with that shit. Okay. All right. I, I got a whole bunch of stories in front of me. Obviously, none from the Boston Globe or Boston.com. Uh, I'm looking at Sports Illustrated right now. LeBron James is offering a blunt explanation for his distaste of fans of the Boston Celtics. A new episode of The Shop, the L.A. Lakers superstar says, why do you hate Boston? Because they're racist as fuck. And then they go on to, as he talked about the T-shirts, that he had a beer thrown at him. Uh, He's going to custom to racist taunts. Quote, they're going to say whatever the fuck they want, said James, who is ironically part owner of the Red Sox. And then it says, warning, use of profanity. They show the video. And then they talk about the kid who threw the water bottle at Kyrie Irving. There is not one example of race. They don't even have examples, you know, decades old examples. They have nothing. They don't have made up examples. They don't have Adam Jones. They don't have Tory Hunter. They have nothing. And yet they write it and present it like it's uh, legitimate. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're racist. Not just racist. They're racist as fuck. And this is a partner of John Henry and Tom Werner, a partner, a guy who owns part of the Red Sox, making something up that, that is, again, the worst thing you could say about a city, and very few people, if any, will defend it. If they do, trust me, if you hear it on the radio, uh, you know, you'll hear people speaking with fear in their voice. If they have to, if they're forced to discuss this issue uh, for, because a caller calls in or whatever, they will have fear. They'll be, they will not call out the Red Sox. They will not go through the Red Sox history of racism in most of it, you know, decades old, you know, the stuff that haunted John Henry that haunted so, so badly. He had to change the name of Yaki way. John Henry to change the or demanded they change the name because he couldn't sleep at night. This is amazing to me. How cowardly, how gutless people are just because the topic of race comes up and because of the power of the Red Sox, these are tyrants. They control what you read in the Boston Globe, if you read it, or they control what is said on the airwaves, obviously of Nesson, of EEI. They had 100% control over EEI. If they, and, and EEI is paying them, paying them you know, $12 million a year and letting them control programming. So if anybody dares, dares to talk about this on, on sports radio today, There'll be a, a program director who was shuffling in at the break saying, can we just move on? Believe me, I've been there. This is disgusting. 
what LeBron James uh, said, but worse is the way he's protected. He's defend. You'll, you'll hear some people defend him. I've seen it on Twitter saying, yeah, but what about uh, the, what they did to you know, Bill Russell? And you go, okay, that was 60, 60 something years ago. Give me something you know, updated. Oh, they threw beer at him. Quick question. Why is someone throwing beer at a player uh, uh, racist? I mean, it's disgusting. I, I, will, I, I say that all the time. Hecklers are assholes. Guy who does that, they deserve to be punched. But why is it racist? Like the kid who was a devoted Celtics fan, had a Celtics jersey, spent a fortune to go to games, threw a water bottle at Kyrie, and of course Kyrie, he's, he knows what he's doing. He paints the whole city as racist. Why? The guy's a huge Celtics fan. Most all this, most of the Celtics are black. He he worships, you know, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and probably, you know, Paul Pierce and, and Bill Russell. So he might be an asshole, but why is he a racist? And why do you they why do we let them get away with this? I'll remind people. Adam Jones made it up. He was frustrated. Someone threw a bag of peanuts at him, taunted him, heckled him. He was pissed. He he made up the the racial slur that we heard from the outfield. There's no evidence. Nobody heard it. Teammates, security, nobody, nobody else heard it. He made it up. The next day he got a standing ovation because people pretended that he was taunted. Tory Hunter said a group of young fans in Fenway chanted the N-word and a group of parents cheered them, cheered them on. Obviously, that is 100% made up. There's no debate about that. That's a one. That's a complete lie. A couple of days later, Tory Hunter went on my former sports radio station, and one of the hosts said, why can't people just believe you, Tory? I don't understand. Why can't they just believe you? What? I mean, that is just so pathetic and just so cowardly. They're ta- he, he's lying about your people, your fans, your listeners, your paying customers. And not only do the Red Sox not defend their fans and their, uh, by extension, the people that the Red Sox control on the radio and TV, not only do they not defend the fans, they join in with the player who's falsely accusing the fans of something, something really egregious and, and disgusting. As I've said for years, Menahan and I took more grief for defending the fans against a player who's lying. The, the Red Sox were upset at us for defending their fan base, their paying customers against a false accusation. That is so backwards and upside down. It's one of the reasons you know, we're, we're, we're not on the air anymore because they will not stand for somebody defending their own fans against a false accusation. You have to pander to the player and say, well, you know, he says, he, why would he lie? I love that one. Why would he lie? The next day, again, Adam Jones gets a standing ovation. He wanted to make Red Sox fans look bad because Red Sox fans were tough on him. They were heckling him. They were booing him. And what did he do? He completely made up a, a charge, said the guy used the N-word from, I don't know, 75 feet away, and nobody heard it. But, man, he got his revenge because the whole, you know, week, two weeks of talk was about how racist Boston is and Boston was on its heels defending itself against everybody on ESPN and everybody on talk radio, including most of the hosts in the home city. It is such a frustrating thing, such an upside down thing that we defend the Red Sox fan base. And I'm not sure I'm up for that much longer because if you're rooting for this team, you deserve what you get. You're rooting for an ownership that thinks you are trash. That's it. That's a fact. John Henry, Tom Werner, Linda Pizzuti, LeBron James think you are racist trash. They'll take your money and they'll pretend oh, they're, they're just passionate fans. But when something like this happens, they don't have your back. You know, you're, you're paying a fortune to go to games, to, to watch Nesson, watch Nesson Plus. And they don't give a damn about you. They'll take your money. But when someone calls you racist, they won't say word one. In fact, I take that back. They will say word one. They'll support the liar. If anything comes from the Boston Red Sox ownership, it'll be in support of LeBron James, who just lied about you, the people who pay the, the freight for, the, for, for Henry and Warner and Pizzuti and the rest of these frauds who think you are dirt. That's, that's a fact. How can you root for a team whose ownership thinks you're racist trash? Someone has to explain that to me because it's baffling. I'm, I'm glad to see them in free fall now. I'm gonna, I'm, I, hope, I hope 
Devers and Xander Bogarts walk away, which they probably will. Again, Red Sox owners, they don't think much of these black players. They don't feel like investing in them. You know, they'll pay Chris Sale, but Mookie Betts, nah, not going to happen. Anyway, let's get to previous. Uh, do we have a date on this, by the way? A previous LeBron uh, answer when he's asked about Boston. And, you know, the racist reputation, probably after the Kyrie bottle throw, I'm going to guess, because that was a big deal. Kyrie made it up, said they're racist, even though they, they they loved Kyrie for the brief time he was here. And again, Kyrie's a dick. Everyone knows it. So if you're in Boston and you call him a dick, like people do in every city, this is the one place where if you call a player a dick, you're racist. You're not just a guy who hates the player. If you have a T-shirt that says, fuck LeBron James, somebody explain to me. I got a lot of comments here. Why don't you check out, Ira, see if anyone could explain to me how a T-shirt that says fuck LeBron is racist. I mean, it's classless. It's tasteless. I, I wouldn't wear one. It's, I wouldn't want my skin what, to wear one. But how is that racist? It's a it's, giant, it's, it's a gigantic compliment. If you look at all the people that get point. those shirts, it's Peyton Manning, it's LeBron James, it's Derek Jeter. It's all like the greats. So shut up. Right. It's true. Alex Rodriguez, I mean, obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer if it wasn't Cheater, but right, Jeter. Peyton Manning. So we're allowed to say fuck Peyton Manning because he's white, but you can't say fuck LeBron James, even though LeBron James is a total dick and, and Peyton is not. I mean, someone has to explain that to me. And again, why doesn't everybody stand up? Why doesn't everybody take offense to this and say, screw the Red Sox? This is one of the owners saying the worst possible thing you could say about a city. Uh, by the way, not long ago, he said the exact opposite. Do we have that? Do we have that sound yep. from LeBron? You know, when he wasn't hanging in the barbershop casually talking about how racist the city is just because that city hates him. But let's listen to what he had to say previously. Yeah, I think this is 2018. 2018. So this is a couple athletes say that, you know, you expect that when you go to Boston. For me, I've been to Boston. I've played in Boston a lot. I just try to have tunnel vision uh, when I play. I don't. I can't recall me ever hearing something that was racism towards me. That, so he's never heard. He's been playing in Boston for twenty years. Never heard anything racist towards him. Never. Mm -hmm. And yet Boston's racist as fuck. Again, it's you know obviously this is you know wrong and where's the reaction? Where's the response to this? There is no. Where are you, Dan Shaughnessy? Where is the response to this asshole saying this about your people, your customers, your readers? Blows my mind that people just roll over because race is so radioactive. that. And LeBron knows it. He knows he doesn't have to pay up. He knows John Henry's not going to call him out and say, you're saying this about the city and you invested in the team? How are people even going to Fenway and cheering for these people? It just blows my mind. But uh, that's uh, LeBron James four years ago and LeBron James now got nothing, nothing, no examples, no, not even made up ones. Not, I mean, he could say, yeah, I was walking down the street outside the hotel and someone said the N word. He could make something up the way that uh, Tory Hunter did, or by the way, Marcus Smart did in college. Marcus Smart went into the crowd to fight a fan and the fan was heckling him, which means the guy's a dick. He's heckling a college kid. And he went in to fight him, and then he got in trouble, obviously, for going in the crowd. So he just made it up and said he used the N-word. So you want an example of a guy doing exactly what Adam Jones and, and Tory Hunter? Look at Marcus Smart in college. Just made it up. And I do hate this, like like uh, Jason, uh, Jalen Brown saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's, we got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do? For what? I mean, you, either either it's a racist city, these are racist fans, or they're not. And I'm pretty sure... Jalen Brown, in his experience, has, has not seen a lot of racism. People love him. They love Jason Tatum. They love the team that just went to the finals. I always hear people say, you know, they'll come up with whatever, the Bill Russell example, or Jim Rice will say something. And I'll say, you know, you ignore David Ortiz, who's been here over 20 years, essentially, said he's never experienced anything. I mean, they worship David Ortiz, even though David Ortiz is a guy of questionable character. I mean, I like him, but we know he's... Uh, you know, selling laundry <laughs> detergent to get by. Yeah, he's. We know. We know he did steroids, tested positive. He's in the Hall of Fame anyway because people love him. Absolutely love him. He said he's never experienced racism in the city. 
Damian Woody's another guy. We talked to one day and he'd been, he went to college in Boston. He'd been to Boston a lot. Said, no, never saw anything like it. And they just ignore the media, the, the global just ignore that. They'll ignore an iconic figure like Ortiz who says, nope, never seen any of it to bring up something that happened 30, 40 years ago. A reminder, you know, if you want to, if we want to talk about, you know, racism in Boston, uh, I'll do it all day. You could talk about, again, Pinky Higgins. You could talk about the way the Red Sox snubbed Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, the last team to, uh, to have a black player in, in, in Pumpsy Green. Uh, you could talk about Don Fitzpatrick molesting young black children in the Red Sox clubhouse and the owner and the ownership look the other way. You can talk about them letting all the black players walk as free agents. There's lots of examples if you want to discuss it, but I don't think LeBron James was prepared to go there. He can't. He just knows. I mean, and they glibly laugh it off. Just, yeah, it's racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they threw a beer at me once. <laughs> None of these morons in the shop with LeBron says, why is that racist? They threw a beer at you. Why? Can you help me up? Why is that racist? They hate you. Why is that racist? Hell, if you're a basketball fan, you root for the Celtics, you hate the other team. There's a good chance the other team's going to be black, right? There's a good chance the other player who beats your team, who you hate because you're a fan and you're a little crazy, it's a good chance he's going to be black. In this case, he is. Just like with Kyrie Irving. He's black. So they hate you. So what? That's a, that's an honor. That is an honor. That says they hate all the opposing players who are really good, really great, especially ones who are you know, you know, a holes like you, LeBron. So you know, not surprising, but that's true. LeBron James, a good reminder from Nick on Long Island. LeBron James uh, had to do the uh, hate hate crime hoax at his house in LA said they painted spray painted uh, the N word at his house. So he called the cops and while he was waiting for the cops to come, he washed off all the graffiti. So it was gone by the time the cops got there and he just skates. Nobody questions him. I bet she's hasn't been asked about that once in the last decade. Uh, the, you know, why, like, the, why'd you wash off the graffiti? If you, if it was so hateful, why did you get rid of the evidence? You know how many security well, cameras that guy probably has too? It's because he made it up. Everyone knows he made it up. Mm-hmm. And, but you can't call him out because somehow calling out a false charge of racism is racism. Just mind-boggling. But I will continue to look. Have you? I know you've been looking. Have you seen anything from the Globe, from the Herald, even from Boston media types who were, uh, who were offended by this? No. False accusation from this dick? My, my, my guess is you'll get something Friday afternoon. So it's like a week past its best past its time. Plus it's Friday news dump. I predicted this yesterday. Uh, obviously Shaughnessy is the only hope. The only guy who's got the guts to write guts that takes guts to call out a player who falsely accuses an owner. I'm sorry, a part owner who accuses the people who pay the freight, who buy the tickets of racism that takes guts. But I predict you'll see a column in the Boston globe about this in the next couple of days it will be in support of LeBron James. It'll be LeBron James has a point. We have a lot of work to do. Don't forget, you know, redlining. Don't forget Bill Russ. And they'll go through the history. That's what they do. They, they live for, you know, false uh, racism accusations. That's what they do. So you'll read about it in the globe and it will be in support of the part owner of the Boston Red Sox. It's amazing. If he were just a player, obviously he's a great, great, great player. But it's just a player. It's one thing. He owns the team. He owns the team. And right now, somebody listening to me is online waiting to buy tickets to support him after what he said about you. It just, it, I don't know what what else he could do to turn you off. But if you don't take offense to this man, there's something wrong with you. There really is. And uh, and and you're going to see, you're going to, you're experiencing right now the control the Pazootis have over the media. If they didn't, you know, if this were Tom Yockey or John Harrington who owned the team, didn't control the, you know, the radio station, the newspaper, you'd have, you'd have debate. You'd have a robust debate. Maybe you'd have, you know, someone writing about this, talking about, I could say this as a, when I was a columnist, you live for these moments where you don't have to force it, man. You can write a legit column with passion, with a point of view, with an edge. And Shaughnessy knows it, but, I'm telling you, everyone else is cowering under their desk saying, I don't want to get, I don't want to get involved. You know, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, uh, it's disgusting, disgusting. I, 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 
<laughs> I hope he expounds on it in the next episode of the shop. What do you mean? They're racist as fuck, LeBron. Why don't you explain? That is remarkable how glibly and casually and comfortably they throw that around and nobody cares. Just yeah, whatever, whatever. All right. We'll 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 be following the story. I'll let we'll find out, you know, tomorrow if the globe follows it up, writes about it. If anybody does, if they talk about it on the radio, which I doubt, think of that. You have sound of him saying, nope, no racism there. And four years later, you haven't said, oh, yeah, they're racist as fuck with no examples. If you don't react to this, then, then you should be professionally, you should be embarrassed if you're on the radio, TV, newspaper, whatever. But all right, we got lots more to get to. Uh, why don't we do Shay here and then we'll get to uh, the Biden fist bump and the latest from Evaldi. And congratulations to our girl, Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas. Uh, Woman of the Year nominee. I'm I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for my girl Leah. But uh, let's talk about Shea Concrete. You know what they can do for you. you know, this summer, you got to do a summer home improvement project. I got one for you. New precast concrete steps. Whether you're building a new home or you're remodeling an old one, Shea has great values on precast concrete steps with designs that will fit your home. There are many options available, including concrete, but you can also customize with beautiful stone or brick. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your, your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the envy of the neighborhood. They remove the old steps, bring in new steps within hours. You got a whole new look, and your house is looks better and is worth more. This isn't just an uh, this isn't an expense. This is an investment, an upgrade in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you'll have a brand new front entrance, and you will love it. You can learn more about Shea's precast concrete steps at SheaConcrete.com. Also at SheaConcrete.com, you got to look for a job, a good one. Shea is hiring. They're always hiring. The business is good. It is booming. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. All right, have you tried Callahan Coffee yet? Well, you should. It's really good stuff. Our first branded product, this is a premium dark roast blend roasted fresh to order in Waltham, Mass. The Callahan Coffee blend combines beans from three continents to create a unique natural coffee flavor rich with chocolate and sweet with caramel taste notes, creating a full-bodied dark roast with low acidity. People keep telling us they love it. They keep ordering more. You got to try it. Callahan Coffee is a great way to directly support this show. So order now at CallahanCoffee.com. That's CallahanCoffee.com. Uh, it just gets sillier. You know, honest to God, I tweeted this out. Someday, you know, 100 years from now, people are going to look back at this time in American culture and say, why did they let this small band of radical nut jobs control things? This is a man with a man with man parts that he liked to walk around waving in the faces of 18 year old girls. This is a really reprehensible human being. Leah Thomas is a bad guy, a bad guy. I mean, the more <laughs> you read about it, the more you read about it, the more you understand his teammates were very uncomfortable because he liked to walk around naked in the girl's room. And uh, he's long and he's tall. And I'm just going to guess he was very proud of his manhood and he was proud of the fact that he could do this. He could stick it in their face literally, and they couldn't do anything about it. If they did, they were homophobic, transphobic, or whatever. Homophobic, transphobic, I don't know. They were some kind of phobic. Uh, some sort of so phobic. The girls, and if the girls complained, the school said they should go to therapy, and they should meet with, a, um, with an LBGTQ activist. That was the remedy for the girls who were uncomfortable with a man walking around naked in their locker room and beating their ass in the pool, dominating them in the pool. It was their fault if they took offense to that. That, that is just, you know, the way we are today. So uh, over the weekend, news broke. This is from TMZ. Leah Thomas, the openly transgender NCAA championship swimmer has been nominated by the University of Pennsylvania for one of the most prestigious awards in college athletics, NCAA Woman of the Year. Now, this sounds like the Babylon Bee. This is what got the Babylon Bee suspended. They they nominated uh, Rachel Levine as Man of the Year, and that's what's why they're, they're suspended from Twitter. Still, this is months. Thomas was dominant this season in, for the Ivy League school, winning the 500 freestyle event at the championships defeated Olympic silver medalist Emma Wyant by two seconds. 
That was that was the second fastest woman in the world. And this guy grows his hair out, puts on a girl's bathing suit and beats her. And for that, the school wants not only to give her an NCAA trophy, an award, a, a record in the record book, but they want to elevate her further, make her woman of the year. <laughs> oh, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, this is a joke. Obviously, Penn University of Pennsylvania is a joke. The um, uh, Every girl in that school, uh, there she is on the medal stand. There he is on the medal stand again. Ivy champion setting records in the Ivy League, was 500th, was ranked 500th among men, switched genders and was ranked number one. Number one. You know why? Hard work. That's why. Hard work and dedication. Everybody knows this is ridiculous. Everybody knows. I mean, if you were to poll people honestly, you'd be like 98% know how absurd this is. But we let the 2% control things. We let the 2% set the agenda. I'm not sure when exactly that happened. I'm sure we could trace it to a moment, but we've certainly talked about it many times. Great episode of South Park. What's the wrestler again? Tell me the wrestler. That's Macho Man Randy Savage. Macho Man Randy Savage, who dominates the girls in track and celebrates. What's the difference? He's honest to God. You know what? Leah Thomas has more of a physical advantage over the girls than Macho Randy Savage does. He's built to swim, was a decent, was an okay men's swimmer. Now is a, uh, is a dominant uh, female swimmer because he just decided one day I'm female and we're supposed to respect that. Well, sorry, not, no more. The trans mob is so vicious that these girls who are losing out still to this guy are, are scared into silence. That You're not allowed to express a opinion, as we know, or they'll send you to therapy. That's so Orwellian. Nobody thinks this is a good idea. Nobody thinks, oh, that's wonderful. This guy's going to be nominated as a woman of the year. It, it's so absurd. Someday, some, hopefully in my lifetime, they'll be pushed back and people will stop allowing this tyrannical, tiny major, minority to control things. Um, and I guess you can laugh at Leah Thomas, and I do. But can you laugh at this story, the related story? Um, and we talked about this guy in April, this guy in a prison, women's prison in New Jersey. He's a murderer. Killed his, he killed his foster father, stabbed him like a million times. Just keep that in mind. He's a murderer, a stone-cold murderer. This is from the uh, Daily Mail. A transgender prisoner who got two fellow inmates pregnant in New Jersey's only women's prison has been moved to a men's prison where he's being held in a vulnerable unit. Demi Minor, who's serving a 30-year sentence for stabbing his foster uh, father, was moved from Edna Mahan Correctional Facility to the Garden State Youth Correctional Facility. Minor, 27, complains that she was misgendered and abused by guards during the transfer and was even placed on suicide watch after she tried to hang herself while being transferred. Uh, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be happy to get transferred out of Demi either. She's getting laid every night, knocking up prisoners. And by the way, they're all consensual. There's no there's no charge of rape. He just he just bangs his bunkmate and occasionally knocks him up. And they say, yep, he's gonna, you know, they're gonna have babies. And so now they move him to a youth facility where the kids, the bad boys, are heckling him and uh, he he can't handle it. He can't stand it. He wrote a a post where he said, I've accepted that I'm in a male facility, but I've not accepted, nor will I ever agree to or accept that I am anything other than a woman who happens to be transgender. Why doesn't every prisoner, especially guys doing life say that I'm a woman and then go, you know, have some fun. I mean, you're in prison for life. He said on one occasion, a guard told him, I don't give an F what you do. There's no camera here. Everyone in here is a man, including you. Whoa. Well, I mean, murder is one thing, but this misgendering, this is really bad. The Department of Corrections has violated my right to be safe and free from sexual harassment, wrote Demi, by putting me in one of the most violent youth correctional facilities. So the solution, uh, where's the line about his makeup? He says uh, they, they will allow him to continue to use his makeup. Uh, she said, on Saturday, I was in the medication line and an inmate cut in front of me and said, I'm not standing behind no F. The inmate spit directly in my direction. 
man, I mean, obviously, again, murder's bad, but this is really nasty stuff. Um, so he, he's still not in a man's prison. He's in a he's in a boy's a youth correctional facility where they're hoping, I guess, he's not going to, you know, have sex. <laughs> Quote, mentally, I have not been myself and I'm losing my essence. <laughs> the Demi who wants to wear makeup and hang out with her friends is not permitted here. Okay. This has gone too far. The Demi is not permitted to wear her makeup. <laughs> the. Oh, and down at the bottom of the story, we have the story of a guy named butts. His name, uh, what's his first name? <laughs> Sore. Theotis butts. <laughs> Theotis butts was his foster father. He no longer lived there, but he went back you know, to pay him a visit and stabbed him several times to death. He was a 69-year-old man. Uh, so he did that and uh, went to prison for 30 years, but he's not allowed to be his authentic self and wear makeup and, and bang all the rest of the prisoners. And so that's unjust, unjust. Again, I ask, where do we get to this point where the lunatics are in charge with this tiny minority of absolute radical nuts is calling all the shots? I don't know if there's ever, ever any turning back, but man, we have gone so far down the road. All right. Let's get to this, Evaldi. The latest from Evaldi. Let me see if I can uh, get the story up and then we can sh uh, play the video, which is, again, we told you this last week. It is just, uh, we saw four minutes last week out of about 45, I believe, maybe more. Uh, I know the Austin Statesman got a hold of 45 minutes and uh, edited it down to four minutes, which is very disturbing. Disturbing, but hold on. This is uh, from the Daily Wire. Newly re released footage from the school shooting in Valde, Texas, highlights the confused and disorganized response of law enforcement on the scene and shows police chief Arredondo, Pete Arredondo, trying to negotiate with the shooter from down the hall while the gunman was firing in a classroom full of students, full of children and teachers. It's amazing. They, there were 376 law enforcement officers on the scene before anybody stormed the classroom. Yes, you heard that right. 376. Insane. We know, we know at least 19 were in the hallway. Most of them were hiding behind walls or, or washing their hands or checking the, you know, the scores on their, on their phone, reading Twitter, the shooter, the, the, Daily Wire is one of those places that they will not name him because they don't want to give him the notoriety. Uh, says, uh, uh, as an example of, quote, extremely poor decision making on the part of law enforcement, you think? And I believe, do we have the sound of uh, Arredondo? He says on this tape, quote, let me know if there's any kids in there or anything. What? I will find that. He says, this can be peaceful. What? This is insane. This is the police chief saying, let me know if there are any, there were kids in there, chief. They're dead. He shot them. You're listening to gunshots and you're saying, this can be peaceful. You have 376 guys, 376 loaded, locked and loaded law enforcement officers and one psychotic 18 year old. And they let him kill every kid in the, in, in, in that class. It's just sick. But I'm looking, uh, let's look, okay, we're looking at the video now. Uh, this is body cam from the police officers, correct? Yep. See, this is a CNN exclusive, by the way. This is not, I believe, the same as the Austin Statesman video. This is body cam from the cops. They're outside at first, hiding behind a wall again. These guys <laughs> love, they're all, you know, these, these fat guys are always hiding behind walls. Uh, but... Uh, how long is the video in total, the one CNN released? Like 10 minutes. Oh, is it 10 minutes? Yeah. Oh, man. oh, and it says this is disturbing, disturbing video. I'd like to get to the, oh, here we are in the hallway. Is that Arredondo? No. How many of these guys are, half these guys look like they're 300 pounds. They're all Almost in polos too. <laughs> and look at them. They all have long guns. They all have vests and they're just mulling around. Obviously he's in the room because he went in first. Then the cops showed up. So he's in the room. Now they have their guns pointed down the hallway and I guess they're you know hiding around the corner. Oh, now we're outside again where the cops are just mul Look at these cops hiding. Behind the dumpster. That'll stop a bullet. There oh, here comes fat. So 
Here comes this slob, Arredondo, walking slowly, which is probably all he can handle. I mean, you wouldn't want to jog there, Chubbo. You wouldn't rush? want to jog to your position. And look at him. Oh, this guy, do we, can we find the part we saw? Oh, oh, now we're doing press Dave, conference. Dave, the massacre? Can we find the part? We, Go ahead, sorry. Where he talks about where he's negotiating. Do we have that? Because it's on the tape somewhere. We actually talk to the shoe. Oh, now we have, I can't even handle 911 calls. We have 911 calls from little girls. Oh, it shows that. Oh no, I don't want to hear that at all. Why did you, what did you see? No, no. If if that was a 911 call from the girl, that would be terrible. I think it, well, maybe it wasn't from the girl. Obviously there were a million 911 calls, but here they are right outside the door. Oh my God. We have a child's line. And yet, even with that information, six minutes go by without any sort of response. Then we see Arredondo with a set of keys, trying and failing to make entry into a classroom near where the gunman is barricaded, eventually handing the keys off to another officer who does make entry. More heavily armored officers arrive, but no one gives the order to go in. Then suddenly, a new round of gunfire. But after those gunshots, Arredondo again tries to talk with the shooter. Can you hear me, sir? And again, minutes later... Sir, if you can hear me, please put your firearm down, sir. We don't want anybody else hurt. I know, I know. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get him out. After no response, police uh-huh. still stand around without much urgency. Over the course of the next nearly 30 minutes, we see more officers arrive. The video obtained by CNN cuts out moments before police breach the, uh, the classroom and kill the shooter at 12.51 local time. By then, many young, innocent children and their two teachers were dead. Oh, God. Put your firearm down. So he's yelling through the door? I thought he was on the phone with them. He's yelling through the door, put your firearm down. As gunshots are ringing out, all of them, I assume, aimed, pointed, used on a child. God, is this nauseating. How is he not arrested? How is he not in that imprisoned the rest of his life? This slob yelling through the door after knowing, because they got calls and they know kids are dead. They know he's a school shooter. They know he's not holding hostages and making demands. God, what a friggin' disgrace. What an absolute disgrace. I love how hey, Arredondo's like, oh, I got an idea. Um, hey, sir, you uh, you want to cut it out? <laughs> sir, enough killing. Can you come out now? And you know what? Ramos knows he's going to die. He's he'll probably yeah. either shooting himself or they'll shoot me, whatever. He's going to kill a bunch of kids. He'll die. Yeah, that's a good point. Robert Dexter says uh, he killed himself. We don't know. But doesn't that feel like we've been lied to every step of the way and eventually... Uh, yeah. And when the truth comes out, you know, all of it on video, eventually. Imagine the actual raw footage of dead kids everywhere when they get in that room. But uh, it'll probably come out that he killed himself and they did nothing. But that is amazing. Listening to guys say, uh, not only listening to him say, you know, can you put it down and come out? But look at the way everyone else, CNN admits it. CNN says there's no sense of urgency. A school shooter is on the other side of the door killing kids and they're just mulling around like they're, you know, waiting for their, you know, waiting for their breakfast order at the diner. It's just incredible, disturbing. But Mr. Ramos, right, you need a, do you need a refill on your coffee, sir? Yeah, yeah. And he was ready to negotiate. Like, a, okay, can I can I go now? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, what? It, it, this is a school police chief again, not a police chief, a school police chief who is trained extensively on how to handle school shooters, and he couldn't have done anything more. He did everything wrong everything wrong and kids paid with their lives and somehow that blob is still walking free. But anyway, let's get, we got a few more things to get to uh, the fist bump. Let's do the fist bump quickly because uh, it was, he was roundly mocked by everybody. Obviously even, even CNN, MSNBC, they could not dress this spin this that the president of the United States traveled halfway around the world to fist bump an evil dictator who we believe ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. You've heard that enough. They ordered the, the dismembering of Jamal Khashoggi. And at the time, I think Biden called him a murderer. He said this is a pariah state. Now, because he's so beholden to the 
uh, Green New Dealers, AOC and the rest of the Ed Markey and the rest of the environmental nuts that he's over in Saudi Arabia begging for oil and fist bumping this evil dictator. And that's one thing. But uh, he don't you dare ask about it. I mean, that was the big story, obviously, other than all the blunders. And when he was in Jerusalem and the wandering around, shaking hands with the air and losing his way and asking, where do I go now? Other than all the examples the symptoms of uh, senility that he showed on the ground in the Middle East. This was the big story. Yes, you fist bumped Crown Prince Bonesaw, and now the whole world is saying, wow, uh, he just uh, raised their profile. He just uh, legitimized that uh, tyrant. And as he, he, he was heading to or from Air Force or Marine One, because the helicopters in the background, and they start shouting questions, and watch how quickly, listen to how quickly the media uh, obeys. He says, you know, oh, there we are. We're at the, at the White House lawn coming out of uh, Marine One. I, I'm going to guess he's going to take like three weeks off now because four days <laughs> in the Middle East, that is tiring. But listen what someone asks. I'm not sure who it is, but I think even the, his even his acolytes in the media, even the you know, mainstream media, the New York Times, CNN, even they are getting tired of this act. But they ask about the fist pump, and he doesn't want to talk about it. Go ahead. President Biden, the Saudi foreign minister, says he didn't hear you accuse the crown prince of Khashoggi's murder. Is he telling the truth? Is the Saudi foreign minister lying, President Biden? Sounds like a nerd. The Saudi foreign minister says he didn't hear you accuse the crown prince of Khashoggi's murder. Is he telling the truth? No. He was like the fist pump, Mr. President. Why don't you guys talk about something matters? I'll have to ask a question matters. Will inflation go down from here, Mr. President? I'm hoping. President Biden, will you be honoring your campaign pledge to release all the marijuana inmates in prison? I don't think it's, I don't think anyone in prison, anyone should be in prison for the use of marijuana for working on the crime bill. Oh, uh, that is our command. That is just, I uh, can't even look at it. It's just so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Every day, he just humiliates the country on the world stage. He's, I mean, what is that? He's, he's, uh, he says, ask about something that matters. Obviously, if you're a journalist, and these aren't journalists, these are just, you know, political operatives with press passes. Obviously, he said, if he says, ask about something that matters, you say, this matters. That's why I'm asking you. You know, why did you fist bump a guy that you accused of, of being a murderer? Period. That's the most important question. And if it annoys him, so what? Do your job. These people are, they, they, he pivots to, what about inflation? Inflation. He just got back from Saudi Arabia. They, they pissed in his face. They didn't give him his, uh, the oil. They didn't, they used him. It was an embarrassing moment for the highest you know, office holder in the land. And the media immediately, that's the same. Was it the same guy who said, uh, what about the fist bump? And he said, ask about something that matters. What about inflation? What? That, that's it. That, that's not how it's done. I don't know who this guy is, but I mean, I, I could, I could sit him down and explain his job to him. If someone says what you just asked doesn't matter, you push back. You say, yes, it does. It matters to me and my readers, my listeners. Why did you fist bump a guy you said was a murderer? A guy who is a murderer. Why? Oh, no. What about inflation? It's bad, huh? What about marijuana prisoners? What the hell is that about? Where'd that come from? You save that for Jereen, uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre or something. You don't ask in that one moment. A guy who just got off the helicopter from the, from the, the kingdom after fist bumping the murderer, and you say, what about marijuana prisoners? <laughs> what about them? <laughs> what, what, I mean, honestly, what about, what about Brittany Griner? That, that'd make more sense to me, but that was pathetic. I uh, want him anyway. to answer a question about her. Really? I really do. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's, he's off to the beach. What do you bet? Uh, it's going to be a really light schedule this week. He has to recover. Oh, by the way, I don't really, we don't have time to get into this in detail, but New York Post is reporting uh, that he met, you know, he tells that lie over and over that he never talked about business with Hunter. Never. Well, we got proof that that's a lie. Not that the media has any interest. There are people in prison for marijuana. So the Hunter is from the post. Hunter met with his father at least 
Hunter Biden met with his father at least 30 times at the White House of the Vice President's residence, often just days after he returned home from overseas business jaunts. They have dozens of examples of Hunter and his business partner going to the Vice President's residence to talk business. Uh, Eric Schwein was the president of Hunter's investment firm. He's named as a calendar invite recipient on 21 of 30 listed meetings. So this business partner of Hunter was meeting with Joe Biden at least 21 times. And Biden you know, looks in the media, looks in their eyes and says, oh, no, we never talk business in the media. He goes, oh, OK. What about people who smoke marijuana, sir? I mean, again, they got the laptop. It's going to just keep providing more embarrassing material. And the media will continue to, other than the Post and the Daily Mail, continue to ignore it. But all right, let's get to this. I'm going to take I'm going to celebrate Cam Smith, the scrawny Australian who won the British Open yesterday with an amazing back nine performance. An amazing, he's just an incredible putter. I heard Michael Breed, a very prominent golf analyst and teacher. I saw him uh, last night breaking this down. He said, Cam Smith's the best putter he's ever seen. It's a guy who's been around for decades, and I wouldn't disagree. He's an incredible putter, an incredible wedge player. It's obviously very important in the British because the greens are huge, and you have these long putts, and you know it's hard not to two putt. But think of this: I, I picked in my pool. I picked Rory. You picked three players. I picked Rory, Cam Smith, and Will Zalatoris, and I won my pool because of this guy. Even though I was rooting for Rory, it's funny. Rory's won a lot. He's worth like a billion dollars and people still root for him against people against the underdogs because Rory's so likable and he puts on a great show. He's fun to watch. Rory McIlroy didn't free putt. He didn't have a bogey. <laughs> he, he, he had a really good day. He just couldn't sink any putts. He was two under and he lost by what did he lose by two. three, two, I three. Think. Cause, cause this stud, right here, this scrawny, malnourished-looking Australian shot a 30 on the back nine. He was just in a 64, his second 64 of the week. He's an incredible player, and you look at him and say, why? You know, he's Rory's Jack, Rory's muscular. Some of these guys are big, and and he's just some dorky-looking Australian with a mullet and a bad Larry Bird mustache, and he goes out there with the, with, I don't know, you know, you know who deserves a lot of credit? His his shrink, if he has a, if he has like a psychiatrist, psychologist who works with him or a, or a coach, because he is so confident, so cocky when he steps over a putt or, or a chip or he just feels it. And he looks at it. I mean, he thinks it's going in. It, it was an incredible performance by this guy and uh, lots of guys. I mean, the, the scores were unbelievably low. I guess that course is, you know, too easy for these guys now, but it's still, they all play it. And uh, thanks to, Cam Smith. He's kind of boring though. And he's kind of boring. What did he do this morning? He said he answered the big question of how many beers can fit in the claret jug. Yep. We have his answer right here. All right, go. Hey guys. Uh, I guess everyone's been asking the question of how many beers fit in the, in the claret jug. Uh, it's pretty much exactly two. Um, yeah. I had a good night last night with it. Cheers. <laughs> Yeah, there's a story in uh, Golf Digest I just read about him. And he's, he, is, he seems like a good, nice, you know, all the Australians seem like good dudes. But he was leaving Augusta and he was worried that he forgot his beer because some, someone brought him beer from Australia that he likes. He can't find in, 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 in America. And they brought it from Australia or they sent it from Australia. And all he was worried about was what he remember because he had to drive back to Florida where he lives. And he, he was... Uh, all he's worried about is making sure that somebody packed the beer <laughs> after, after what, whatever, did he put it for second or third or whatever? And he's made a fortune. He's obviously, he's going to keep winning because he's mentally so freaking tough. I mean, it looks, it looks impossible sometimes, you know, you see these, these holes, these, whatever, the, the million bunkers, pot bunkers, and they stripe it down the middle and it just avoids all the bunkers. And you go, how is that possible? If an amateur hack like me played on that course, I'd shoot 150 because I'd hit all the, the bunkers that he misses. Oh, there he is uh, with this ridiculous-looking mullet. That was when he played in the Olympics. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy, but he's not very charismatic, unlike Rory. every my, In my pool, 73% of the uh, player, uh, people in the pool picked Rory 
to win, including me. But I picked Cam to finish second, which got me over the top. And Zell Torres made the cut. So I cashed in Ironhead, and I bet more than $2 like you usually do. Ten bucks a guy. Did you win any? Who'd you bet on? Oh, you bet on Tiger, right? Bet on, uh, I bet on Tiger. Um, just what an idiot. For fun. It's fun. His odds are terrible, so if he did, it would be huge. Uh, he D- had no chance. It was uncomfortable watching him out there. No chance. That's the last time he'll play at St. Andrews. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how many more majors he'll play, but he's not going to win another one. He's, I had, he's done. I had it's Dustin been. Johnson. In oh, really? That's the, a good one. The PGA is so against showing live guys. It's not even funny. <laughs> he's making birdies all day Saturday and then showing none of them. And every time they can possibly put him on the leaderboard, they put him at the bottom. So he's not on his name's not on the is television. He, was he the only live guy who contended? Uh, no, uh, Taylor Gooch was up there for like two and a yeah. half days and he had like a bad day. Um, but I also put money on Kevin Kisner, who was around oh, 10 under. Did? Yeah. He shot what he shoot a 65 on Saturday. Yeah. And he was, he was, he, he was, had a good day, but I mean, they're not going to win because you should bet on guys like that to like make the cut. Probably yeah. Double your money, but. All right, let's get to uh, your review. You attended the Kirk Manhan live show, which uh, I always have trouble picturing, you know, what Kirk's going to do. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the live show. I'll talk to him. I'll say, what are you going to do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, and uh, he didn't tell me in advance that he was going to be nailed to the cross, but that's, <laughs> it, he actually showed up on a cross. Yeah. It, the show started with him being wheeled out on the cross because <laughs> he's podcast Jesus. <laughs> and then, uh, a highlight video of um, basically the show so far and where he came from and all that. And um, and then he went into uh, Ain't Talking About Love from Van Halen and ran through the entire friggin' building while a, a live band was playing the song. And Kirk sang it, sang the song. Yeah. I, I've, seen him, I've seen him do a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, I've seen him take his clothes off in the studio and, you know, obviously run down the street and pro to one of the funniest stunts ever when he ran across the street and <laughs> protested Felger <laughs> demanded they fire Felger. That was great. I've never seen him actually sing a song like from start to finish. He actually sang the song. He actually sang the song and the fucking place was going nuts, like nuts, very fired up. He, I was on the middle level and he was singing on the stage and he ran underneath and he eventually popped out in the doors to get into the second level and it was the loudest noise I've ever heard in that building, for sure. Wow. And uh, so you had a good time. Yeah, it was great. He didn't call you up on stage to no. do f- five minutes of stand-up. He doesn't like me, so why would he? <laughs> but, um, he'll embarrass you. That's what I was hoping for. Blind Mike did stand-up. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Everyone fake laugh? No, it was pretty funny, actually. Um, well, you got to sell it. You got to sell it. Let's be honest. You're in a crowd. You got to, you know, even if it's not that funny, people I, will laugh. Um, I saw a video of his stand-up from the second show, which seemed better than the first one. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was a good night. That's it, huh? It's a good night. I just I saw what I just asked you about on Twitter. So there's, you had nothing beyond what they tweeted out. The cross, the song, that's it. You asked me how, if it was Okay, well, fun. tell me something I oh, don't know. Oh, okay, here's here's a part you'll actually appreciate. Okay, this is something, to, just for our listeners, uh, you talked about before we started recording, you told me something that was pretty funny, so I figured you'd bring it up during the show, but you don't until oh, I press I, you. I didn't think you uh, wanted to talk about the specifics of that part. So it I, sounds funny. Let me hear it. Um, well, the, before that part, uh, Cullinane, uh, you, you know, used to be on the show, uh, royally fucked up a ton of cues and missed his spots in the first show. And uh, Kirk looked like he was about to stab him in the throat with uh, a microphone. But in the video, the part you're talking about, when he's on the cross, <laughs> they put a picture of Dino's face and got into the specifics of what was going on underneath a, a certain table at an no. outing. Yeah. See, we, we've teased that or, you know, you know kind of... Uh, we haven't actually told the details of that story. It's a great story. Did Kirk actually tell all the details? So that's out. Um, I know a lot more than I did before I went to that show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I thought we were going to save that someday, but uh, maybe for a uh, you know whatever the 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 memorial show on when Dino leaves us or something. But no, it was a great. There was never a dull moment with Dino when you traveled. Never. He was just, he was wild. He was fun. He was crazy. And man, sometimes we'd just sit back and watch in amazement, but uh, glad uh, 
And people always ask about that story too. So you have to, you know, make a decision. You gonna let them, <laughs> let them get a good look, you know, behind the curtain and under the table or not. So Kirk did good. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like uh, everyone had a good time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't invited. Everyone asked, you know, why didn't you go? I wasn't invited. Well, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not asking to be, you know, starring in the thing, but I'm not going to sit up in the cheap seats with Ironhead. I'm sorry. I have a little <laughs> more dignity than that. Yeah. But, all right. Well, it sounds like you had a good time. Good for you. If I decide I want to do a live show, will you make a cross for me? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Get that. Is that, was that Colin's job to make a cross? He did make the cross and apparently it was, uh, he was their original idea. It was on wheels, but I guess their original idea was, um, to carry it out and Conan had his family help like testing it with him. So they put him on the cross and I guess they kept dropping him. So uh, the wheels was a last minute decision, which probably was for the best. Wow. Lots of people uh, saying how awesome it was. Nick in Boston. It was awesome. They told the whole Dino story. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> Real shame. Uh, you know what? Someday I'd like to sit down with Bobby Orr and review the Bobby Orr was an amazement. He's just said, man, <laughs> Your partner is wild. And I said, yep, he is. He is. It's uh, Ardino. But that was, uh, I think, at the end of that trip to Fort, uh, Fort Myers is when he uh, checked in, got some help. But uh, never a dull moment when we were down there in Florida for a week. But anyway, we got to leave it there. We went too long again. It's your fault. You uh, you, you got to learn to tighten it up. Tighten up those stories. Just get to the good part. Well, I did. I, um, I, I, I went over it and then you were like, you're not going to keep going. I was the one that was tight with the story. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Great job. Great job. All right. Thanks to all these people who were texting and filling us in, filling in the blanks uh, and uh, reacting to uh, the Red Sox story. We're going to keep on top of this. I will let you know. I'll, I'll try to read the globe so you don't have to, or at least review the website. See if anybody uh, stands up for the city of Boston and stands up for the fans of the Boston Red Sox, how you could support a team that just, that just leaves you out to dry and allows a, 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 you know, a little asshole like LeBron James to say this is beyond me, but we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe we'll get around to it uh, this week. We'll see, but we'll leave it there. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening. Thanks to you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan show and we'll do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Well, the tide is turning in Massachusetts after years of watching Democrats raise taxes, hinder local businesses, silence the voices of parents, and disrespect the police. The people have had enough. Go to MassGOP.org to learn more, get involved, or make a contribution. In these tough economic times, rely on 1AAuto.com. Save money and empower yourself. In good times and bad, get great prices. Watch 1A Auto's massive library of free how-to videos. Fix it yourself easy and fast with 1AAuto.com. Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information.